Hi everybody, I'm Wendy Grant, Director of Marketing and Communications for the Fleet Science Center, and I have with me today Richard Fitzpatrick, Director of Underwater Photography for the new giant screen film, Great Barrier Reef, now playing on the giant dome screen here at the Fleet Science Center. Welcome, Richard. Good eye, Wendy. Oh, he's Australian. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2016, news went viral that the Great Barrier Reef was dead, um, but that story was not entirely true, was it? No, what we had was what we call it was the first ever double bleaching event in 2016 and 17. So the two concurrent summers were really hot. And for the first time ever, the corals in the far northern section of the Great Barrier Reefs, the top third, bleached for the first time in history. And since it was the first time that those areas bleached, the mortality rates were quite significant, over 75% uh, for some of those reefs. Whereas the southern reef, um, actually fared really well. There was no bleaching and it actually had recorded really co good coral growth. The thing about the Great Barrier Reef, it's big. It's 1,600 miles long. So that's like Miami to Boston. And oh, here, here's a San Diego one. From San oh. Diego to Vancouver, BC. That's about Ooh, the same distance. Got to be local and relevant. Thank you. Yeah, sorry for being <laughs> East Coast on that one. Um, <laughs> but you can't put a number on, on it for the whole reef. It's just too big mm -hmm. a system. And um, so we divide the reef up into a number of sections. And um, yeah, and some parts are still looking really good, and um, but other parts have been hit pretty heavily. So the reefs suffered, but it's not dead. It is definitely not dead. And the, the thing is where a lot of the tourist operations focus on generally are at the ends of the reef. Now the Barry Reef's not one continual reef. It's you know, two and a half thousand individual reefs. And where the gaps are, uh, where the water flushes, that's where a lot of the tourist operations are because that's where you get the best coral and the best fish. And because they're with the, close to the openings, they've fared the best during the whole um, bleaching events. So the main tourist spots are still really good, but it's the back reef areas, the still areas that had never been that hot before, that's what got heavily impacted. So the film Great Barrier Reef, what is it about? So the film is basically a snapshot in time of where we are right at this point with the Great Barrier Reef. And it follows a young lady, Gemma Craig. She grew up on the Great Barrier Reef. She's third generation to grow up on this little tourism island that's off Cairns. And um, she's now an underwater photographer. And essentially it's her going to look at what is the status of the reef and to look at all the animals, the environments, but to also look at the what people are doing to take care of the reef. Not just scientists, but a lot of citizen science projects as well. Things like um, you know, the public doing a program called Coral Watch, which looks at coral health. Project Manta, where people take photos of manta rays and it's all photo ID'd to identify them. Um, community groups taking care of turtles uh, that are found floating in the ocean. That's often because of um, you know, plastic and things like that and pollution. And then we follow the story of a turtle going through the whole rehabilitation process right up to being released. So it's a big journey, literally from one end of the reef to the other. Um, so people will be able to get to see all the different wonders of it. Awesome. So you're a marine biologist mm -hmm. specializing in sharks. What sparked your interest in marine biology? Uh, I grew up on the southern end of the Great Barrier Reef. Um, so as a kid, I had marine fish tanks. So I had pet baby sharks for pets instead of cats and dogs. So for me, you know, sharks, all the dangerous marine animals have been part of my life since I was about nine or 10 years old. And um, I never grew up. <laughs> and do you study a particular type of shark? 
Um, I work mainly on tiger sharks and reef sharks. Uh, tigers are my favourite, um, so I do satellite tagging on those. Um, we work at a place which is featured in the film called Rain Island, where thousands of turtles go each year to um, to lay their eggs, but the tiger sharks follow them as well. Mm. And so I've been satellite tagging them over the last couple of years to work out where they go. And we're looking more at metabolic rates. We're putting camera systems on them now, trying to work out more about how these sharks work. And we're also doing this stuff with reef sharks, and looking at the effects of tourism on the behavior of reef sharks. So yeah, it's um, I get to mix the science and the filming world together, which is good. Yeah, well, how did you make that transition? Because you're an Emmy-winning cinematographer. So how did you get your start in underwater cinematography? Uh, when I finished my degree, I worked in a few of the uh, bigger aquariums in Australia. And um, I was a specialist in sharks. And I started using video to record their behavior. We were looking at reproductive behavior in different species and feeding. And um, the TV crews coming in for kids shows would come in and they'd ask me to shoot a little bit underwater for them, underwater video for them. And um, so that sparked my interest and I started buying more expensive camera gear. <laughs> and then um, there's an Australian couple, Ron and Val Taylor, the famous filmmakers in the 70s and 80s. Like They did all the underwater stuff for Jaws and, and other movies like that. And I got to work them with them on movies, even as a stuntman in Island of Dr. Moreau. I had to wrestle tiger sharks with um, for Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando. Wow. And um, <laughs> yeah, so then Ron, you know, um, was semi-retired and started pushing a few jobs my way so I was really lucky uh, to have mentors like that. Oh that's exciting. Um, what What's special about tiger sharks? Why are they your favorite? Oh, it's like the poor cousin to the great white. Everyone, <laughs> everyone focuses on the great whites and um, for a long time people think you know tiger sharks are the garbage collectors of the ocean that are eating everything. But in fact they're very strategic animals. They will migrate thousands of kilometers or hundreds of miles. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> to go to locations to feed on specific things. And um, they'll go to one area to feed on stingrays, others to go feeding on turtles, uh, others areas for seabirds. So they're very strategic in what they do and they're amazing navigators. And um, the good thing about shark biology and the challenge is every time you think you know something, you end up with another dozen questions. So, you know, it's us trying to use modern technology to sneak peek into their um, secret lives and um, yeah it's pretty amazing time in marine science at the moment how are they at wrestling uh, well <laughs> the thing about because I came from an aquarium background you know we're very um, mindful and stressing the animals out so I don't like to hook sharks and and you know play them till they're exhausted so we grab them by the tail um, it's one of those crazy Aussie techniques but it works really <laughs> well and if you grab a shark by the tail it'll stop swimming in less than a minute Whereas if you hook it and play it, it could take half an hour and you only get them close to the boat when they're totally exhausted. But when sharks have their tail immobilized, it's like us, if our legs are tied up, we're not going to run or walk anywhere. We're just going to lay there until you know, it changes. And that's the, what happens with the, the sharks. So um, there was a lot of experimentation in the process. So I had to invent like an underwater handcuff to snip and snap over the tail of the big tigers. And yeah, a few times it hasn't worked that well in development, like all science, and I've been knocked out on quite a few occasions by <laughs> these big tails. But yeah, we've got the we've got the system pretty well down pat now. How big are tiger sharks on average? Oh, um, the biggest one we've done was five meters. So what's that, 14, 15 feet? Holy moly! So yeah, bigger than a car. 
And like, yeah, the tail is about six feet high. It's about as high as me when I got tail slapped by them. So yeah, they're they're pretty big and solid, but they're an amazing animal. Like, we don't use cages. Um, we just scuba dive with them, and um, you know, to be able to get literally close enough to a predator while it's eating that you got to push yourself off it, it's a pretty amazing experience. So yeah, I love my tigers. Indeed, I can tell. That's awesome. Um, how did you get involved in making the film Great Barrier Reef? Uh, we were approached by an Australian company, December Media. They've produced uh, a couple of um, IMAXs about space. Yeah, and we showed Hidden Universe here at the Fleet Science Centre. Oh, that's Center. right, you have, yeah. So they were the, one of the first Australian companies producing IMAX. And um, we were working together on a, another project, um, initially with, um, on the Great Barrier Reef. And then we just said, hey, let's do an IMAX. So that's how it all happened. And then we tied in with um, McGilvery Freeman Films, which are here in uh, Laguna Beach. And the camera systems are actually built here in San Diego, just up in Poway, uh, by a company called Gates. Um, so they Local built tie-in. A, lot of, <laughs> a lot of San Diego tie-ins um, with this whole production, which is quite neat. So it's really good to come here to... I haven't seen it on the dome myself yet, so tonight's going to be the first time I see it you know wrapped around the head so it's pretty um pretty well looking forward to that yeah i think the audience will be holding their breath as they dive down yeah and then um the funding for the whole project came from my business partner um through his uh, the slattery family trust so um bevan funded the majority of the of the film and the interesting thing there is bevan and myself went to primary and high school together Really? Um, so as we were growing up, there's him, me, and another mate. We'd be collecting these marine creatures ourselves. And I became a marine biologist. The other third mate, he became a marine biologist. And Bevan went off and became this massive IT entrepreneur in Australia. <laughs> and because of his love of the reef, he, he and myself were very um, focused on educating people about the reef, making sure people still have a sense of hope and trying to encourage people to change their ways to um, protect you know, such an amazing icon. Wow, that's that's a great friendship you got going <laughs> <It's> there. <awesome. laughs> so there's no such thing as a giant screen film that's easy to make. So what were the particular challenges of making Great Barrier Reef? Uh, the size of the the big camera system, the 3D rig, it's, you know, uh, 300 pounds, size of a washing machine. So we needed a crane to lift it in and out. Luckily, Bevan owns this really nice yacht that we used for about a year that we're traveling around on the, on the reef with, and so we would see good friends. Good friends, what I said. Yeah, yeah, very good friends. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, it's just a challenge, just the size of the equipment and just the um, inertia of it underwater. And, yeah, and then you're trying to get close to oh, marine animals yeah. <laughs> with this giant rig. It's the hardest shooting I've ever done. Um, so obviously, we shot a 3D version and then the dome, the dome version as well. So. We just used one of the cameras out of the um, the 3D shoot for a lot of the dome shots, but we did do some specific super wides um, just for the dome version. And um, yeah, when I first started, we'd put that thing in the water, and I wasn't moving far at all. Um, but after 12 months or so, I was fine, you know, swimming a fair distance with it, and you know, doing you know dives over an hour and and just popping up. But we had our flotation devices on it, so I could alter the buoyancy. And at the end of the shoot, I just bring it to the surface and we'd have a little uh, zodiac would come over it would clip it on and that would tow me back to the big boat so yeah but it, it's this big heavy bulky gear yeah. which to get it in the positions that historically i've done for other you know documentaries normal tv documentaries where the gear's a lot smaller and stuff like that 
it's um it's very hard and also you must think of the poor old animals thinking right. instead of a camera this big something like this big coming at them going what is that so <laughs> yeah you have to let the animals get relaxed with your presence and spend a lot of time with them yeah underwater <laughs> underwater yes. yes can you share a behind the scenes story about making the film yeah, oh, there's lots. Um, <laughs> the one thing I know is whales. With the, when you're shooting the 3D in the dome, you can't have any sun in the shot, and you're facing the, the direction away from the sun, and the whales know that, and they'll just sit behind you and play <laughs> and do all these amazing things. You keep looking at them going, oh, you buggers, you know, and just waiting for them to come around. But the, um, the hardest shot in the whole film is actually the seahorse giving birth. Um, so male seahorses get pregnant. That's, get, that's my favorite thing in the world. They get the big tummy, <laughs> and then out come you know almost eight hundred babies. But we never know exactly when it's going to happen. Right. You know for a bit. You think you know within two or three days. So it was one of those periods where I had no assistance around or stuff or anything at all, and I actually sat there for th- seventy-two hours straight because you get five minutes notice, and it's all over in fifteen seconds. So wow. I was just sitting there drinking Red Bull and drinking <laughs> lots of cola and watching movies um while waiting for the seahorse to give birth it was actually in the at the university where i work there's a big seagrass research unit there as well with the aquarium system there and it was in one of those tanks and so eventually the babies popped and then i ran upstairs to back up the cards because like two hours later we had had to head out to sea on another shoot and um while we're backing up the cards i must have just passed out in the chair rolled backwards fell off backwards and landed on the leg of another chair and you know popped the cartilage in one of my just next to the sternum so it was very painful <laughs> so, so, so forget the sharks and everything else the baby seahorses was the most painful shoot right. physically <laughs> mentally and emotionally yeah and your biggest injury was in yep. a chair <laughs> in a chair see officers dangerous things that's right yeah. um <laughs> that's a good story What's been your most memorable memorable moment in underwater filming? Any anything you filmed? Oh, I know. Making you go back. <laughs> you go back. Oh, probably the first time I was in the water with the tigers and realised that how approachable they were. Um, and yeah, oh, there's been so many magic moments. It's really hard to think, but um, you know, the thing about shooting underwater, which is different to above water. Like if you go to Africa, you can have a super long lens and zoom in on a a line you know, hundreds of yards away, you know, underwater, if you get something within 10 or 15 yards, that's, that's a good day. So you're working with less visibility and you have to establish relationships with the animals that they are at ease uh, with your presence. So then they're doing their natural thing, you know, whether it's feeding or reproduction and to be there at the moments where you get to see that more intimate side of their life, the, the reproduction and the feeding, that's always the biggest high. Yeah. What do you hope audiences will take away from Great Barrier Reef? Uh, I hope they, one, they know the Barrier Reef's still alive. It's under a lot of threat. That threat is because of climate change. And so everyone in the world needs to become a citizen of the Barrier Reef and um, do whatever you can do wherever you are in the world to minimise our carbon footprint and try and turn around uh, climate change. It will help. The good news is we have, you know, all the tools are out there now. You know, we're not waiting for some mythical technology to come uh it all just comes down to the will of people trying to implement all these new technologies that we have and um so we can reverse the trends of climate change we can do it we can do it yeah 
Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being here. This is Richard Fitzpatrick at the Fleet Science Center with the new giant screen film, Great Barrier Reef, playing daily in the Giant Dome Theater. Thank you. Ciao. They say ciao in Australia? Ah, Kaiser. <laughs>